Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's Pastor Michael Petit. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, verses 15 through 23. And I entitled this, Our God Will Fight For Us. Our God Will Fight For Us. And um, I just want to tell you that I'm, you know, really blessed. We're in Nehemiah chapter 4. We'll finish chapter 4 tonight. And then next week, we'll be in chapter 5. But this Sunday, uh, we'll be in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, as we see Jesus coming and proclaiming the kingdom of God. And, and I think sometimes when we look at Scripture, we look at uh, Jesus doing the healing, Jesus doing the, the miracles, but what we see in the book of Mark is him proclaiming the gospel of God. And it's a powerful, powerful two verses. And I hope that you join us for that because there's a lot of, of um, you know, as we talk about the kingdom, you have to have a king. And so we're going to see Jesus come on the scene. And, and as his ministry begins, he's proclaiming the word of God. And that's, that's something that we should be doing as well. So let's go ahead and do this. Before we get started, let's pray. And, uh, and, and I'm glad that you're, you're watching. Uh, I'm glad that you're here uh, and, and just blessed that, uh, that you've taken time to be with us. I know we found out that some of y'all are actually watching online, been watching since Easter. And, and when, when we had some of the issues with the tech stuff, we, we felt really bad that we lost you. Uh, but we try to make sure we always get the audio at least. So, but we want to thank you for, for taking time and letting us be a part of your life and, and, and letting the Word of God Hopefully it'll wash you, and, and we invite you to come out here to Divine. Uh, it, it would be an awesome, awesome experience to have you out here to come out and visit for sure. So let's pray. Uh, Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for tonight. We do pray for the weather that's coming in. We pray for uh, the lives that are in in Divine and Lytle and Natalia and Casterville and Hondo uh, and San Antonio, Bigfoot, Pearsall. Uh, we pray for the cattle and the houses, Lord. We just pray, Lord, for your protection and your blessing uh, over them. And, and uh, hopefully, you know, this, it's just a lot of rain that comes through because that's something that we definitely need. So we, we, we thank you for being able to be in your word tonight in Nehemiah chapter 4 as we, we continue to look at the, uh, how the enemy uh, continues to attack. But one of the things we learn tonight is, is that our God will fight for us. And, and it squelches the enemies. Uh, they just, the enemy just quits at, at that point. And, and they can, they're, they're able to continue the work. And so I pray maybe that you're going through something, maybe your marriage, because I've been finding out there's a lot of stuff going on in people's marriages. And so I pray if there's a, uh, maybe you think that there's, there's no way that God can fix the marriage. God can, because your God will fight for you. You, you need to be in prayer. You need to be reaching out to him and, and asking for, uh, for that in your life. Maybe you're struggling with one of your kids or, 
or, or they're having issues and you're thinking there's no way that, that, uh, that the Lord would be able to fix us. Let me tell you, God can. And I pray that, uh, that hopefully tonight you would, you would walk away having hope, having direction, uh, having God's word wash your heart, wash your mind uh, and, and apply it in your life. You know, we are Calvary Chapel, so we, we want you to be able to understand the context of Scripture. We want you to be able to understand not just the context of Scripture, but to exhort and be able to apply the Scripture in your life. And we, we want you to be led by the Spirit. And, and, and I just ask, Lord, that you just continue to do a mighty work here in Divine. We see so much going on with the election. We see so much back and forth. And I just pray... Uh, and I, and I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I pray that when everything's over, no matter who wins, no matter who wins or loses, that the city would come together. Uh, they wouldn't be divided, that they would be united and be at peace and that they would see just this mighty movement of God happen in divine. And so I, I just pray for that. I just ask, Lord, that you just continue to be with our leaders uh, continue to be with Marcus and his family. We pray for their event that's going to happen here on Saturday. We pray that uh, that it would just be a blessed event. This is going to be one of the first big things that they've done since since COVID when they had to close. And so I pray that this place would be packed and uh, that you would just continue to bless their family and bless this business. We thank you that we're allowed to be here. And so we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we get into this, I kind of wanted to go back just a little bit, just in case you're, you know, because we did have some video and audio issues, and maybe you missed, or maybe you've just had a busy couple of weeks, and you just, you're, you're catching up with us now. And, and so the, the context of what's happening is we're looking at about 150 years since uh, the, the walls of Jerusalem lied in, in rubble. And so we've, we see... Uh, that happened in the Babylonian conquest, and um, th there was a judgment that was placed on them from God, and uh, it was because of the sin of the people. And so the small number of Jews had been returning probably for the last 80 years, but no major uh, building has been done besides the temple. The walls could never get, get finished because they had to stop because of the king. And, and now Nehemiah has been sent by God. He's been not only been sent and equipped by God to go as a leader, he was a cupbearer for, uh, for the king, King Artaxerxes. And, and that king was actually, you know, as a cupbearer, he was kind of like a chief of staff. It's probably the easiest way to explain it. Um, you know, a chief of staff for the White House or something like that. It would be in that, that position. He, had, he was well-trusted. And so Nehemiah is sent by God, but also prayed to go and it was placed on King Artaxerxes' heart who, not a believer, uh, says, okay, we're going to go ahead and send uh, Nehemiah. And not only send them, but send them with letters and send them with supplies. The letters were to get them through some hostile territory. The supplies were to provide the best material that they could to, to build the temple for God. Uh, not build the temple, but build the walls for the Lord. Now what we will find out is when he gets to, when Nehemiah gets to uh, Jerusalem and he, and he inspects the, the temple, uh, it's in rubbish. It's in ruins. A lot of it has fallen apart. And, and so he goes out and he kind of accesses what needs to be done at, at nighttime. And, and he comes in and he talks to the city leaders and, 
and gather them and, and they were excited. So what we see is we see Tobiah and Sanballat kind of try to accuse him of, of coming against the king at first. And, and uh, so we had the enemy right off the bat. And then we get to chapter three and, and they're excited and ready to do the work. And in chapter three, we have a revival that's happening within the city. And, and God's work is being done. And that's actually what we need to have happen here in Divine. We need a revival. We need a revival that starts with us, that person in the mirror. And at the same time, we need to see a revival within the churches of Divine. We need to see a revival within the community of Divine. And so uh, the next thing we see is that when we left off last week, uh, they were being mocked. And ridiculed, we talked about the enemy, that the enemy is real, Satan is real, a real person. Um, and, and so they got halfway done in verse 6, and, and, and then they, they didn't mock them and ridicule them anymore. Now they, they're threatening to kill them. So they're threatening physical harm now. And, and so what I want to do is pick it up in verse 10 so we can kind of get the context of the scripture that we're going to be in tonight. And there's some things that I wanted to kind of go over in verse, verses 10 through 14 real quick. And then we'll continue to push on through all the way to verse 23 tonight. And so I entitled this, Our God Will Fight For Us. And that's actually from uh, the scripture. And we'll see that when we get to it. I love that Nehemiah says that, like, hey, our God will fight for us. So no matter what you're going through today, whatever is happening in your life, if you belong to God, your God will fight for you. If you're in sin, God will help you. You repent and God will help you out of that sin. If you're struggling with addiction, your God will fight for you. You need to repent and do that about face and walk away from it. And, and God will give you the strength and the tools to, to walk away from it. But you have to believe that. It's one of the things that, that we see a lot of times as we see fear uh, cause us to lose faith. And I'm seeing that a lot today. I see a lot of people that have adopted this progressive, woke Christianity, and it's just weak Christianity. That's all it is. You're just watering down the gospel so you could do the things that you want to do. And that's not what God's called us to do. So we see it in verse 4, in chapter 4, verse 10. It says, In Judah, it was said, The strength of those who bear the burdens, burdens is failing. There is too much rubble by ourselves. We will not be able to rebuild the wall. And so what happens here is gossip starts. Now, if anybody's been in a church, you've you got to understand that the church is full of sinful people. They're imperfect. And, and gossip can, and chatter can happen within a church. It can happen at your job, too. So I, I always find it funny. They can go, oh, it shouldn't happen at the church, but it happens at your job as well. It happens in your family. You know, gossip begins and, and Judah's... All these outsiders that lived outside the city find out that, hey, they're going to attack y'all. They're going to come and attack y'all. And, and, and they're threatening violence. And so for, for us, something happens when we're challenged to serve. And, and for us, it's something that we need to be understanding is that when we step up to serve, are you going to be invested in doing the work? Because you're going to face challenges. Uh, you're going to face opposition. And, and so one of the things that I want to tell you right now is, is if you have walked away from church, and what I mean that you have walked away from attending a physical church and you're only doing this online, 
you need to come back to church. The reason why we, we, we spend time in church together is because God has gifted you, because He's gifted me. Each of us have been given one gift, some given many, and, and we're to be invested in, in, our, in our churches. And we need to understand is that when we are invested in our churches, we get challenged to serve. And when we're challenged to serve, we face opposition. And in that opposition, there's the testing of faith. And we can grow and mature from that. But you can't do that from your couch. You can't do that from your couch. You may have an awesome testimony that God wants you to be able to share with somebody on Sunday or Wednesday and pray with them and disciple them. But you can't do that from your couch. You can't do that from a Zoom call. And the other thing that we do is we'll... When we don't find what we're looking for, or we go, you know what, there's too opposition, too much opposition at this church. There's too many things that I, I, I'm going to go to this other church. And we start, we start shopping for churches, right? And, and we bounce from church to church to church. And I remember Pastor Joe used to say that when somebody had came up to Pastor Skip and they asked him, you know, what does your church have to offer me? And Skip, Pastor Skip Isaac turned around and answered him and says, what do you have to offer to the church? What do you have to offer to the church? See, you're called to serve. As a believer in Christ, we're, we're supposed to be servants first. Whether it's in the home, whether it's in the community, whether it's in the church. You see, what we need to do is we need to be invested in invested in our churches so that way we see that investment not only one of the things i love is like when we actually live for the lord it it impacts our marriage and it impacts our family and then that impacts the church and then the churches uh begin to grow and that impacts the community and we see a better a better city a better uh, uh better things happening with our youth and young adults but when we don't, then we see the enemy, the opposition, just like here, that will put things in place to keep you away from, from coming to church. Put things in place to keep you away from fellowship. So you're supposed to not take your ball and go home. You're supposed to hunker down. You need to be invested. If, you, if you're going to follow Christ, he's saying, I, I, I don't want some, I want all. And Nehemiah, that's what we get with Nehemiah. Nehemiah as a leader, he was all in. He was all in. He wasn't going to quit. He didn't, it didn't matter if the devil came to try to discourage. It didn't matter if the devil came to threaten, to physically threaten him. But let me tell you something. The best tool that the devil has is discouragement. That's what he'll use every time to take you right out of the game. See, what we see happening now is that the walls are halfway built. And this is one of the things I was talking about today is, is that when the walls, uh, the work is halfway done, how are you? What are you doing? And what I mean by that is do you look at it and go, man, the work's halfway done. We're almost finished. This is going to be so great because we're going to have everybody return to the city and everybody's going to worship in Jerusalem again. Are you that person that says, man, the walls are halfway done? We still got a ton of work left to do. Now they're threatening to kill us. I don't know why I'm here. What are you doing? And you start discouraging people. And so that's, that's one of the things that we need to remember is that it's the same thing in marriage. 
You can be in your marriage and, and everything's awesome on day one of the wedding. We're fixing to go to a wedding this Saturday. And you're, you're in bliss, you're, you got your honeymoon, but 20 years from now, where are you at? Are you like, man, this has been a long 20 years. Are you like, I can't wait for the next 20? This has been a blessing. We're coming up to 35 years and I, I, I just can't believe it. I can't wait for the next 35. And that's how our hearts should be. It's like we need to, have, to be someone who's encouraging in the ministry, encouraging in the family, encouraging in the marriage. Now, let's be honest. We've all been discouragers in our lives. We've had that. But if you catch yourself doing it, you should say, you know what, Lord, forgive me. Let me, you know what? I need to change my, change my attitude here. You know, because I, it's very easy for me to, to, to be uh, discouraging. And guess what? When you're discouraging, it's like a, a, an illness. It just, it just spreads. It spreads. You know, we need to be like Barnabas in Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37. Thus, Joseph, who was called by the apostle Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is what we need. We need a, a church full of Barnabases, right? We need those encouragers. We need those encouragers in our city hall. We need those encouragers in, in the mayor's office. We need those encouragers in the, the chamber of commerce. We need those encouragers in the, in the high schools, in the, in, the, in the elementary and middle schools. You see, one of the things that stands out so bright here in that verse in Acts chapter 4 is you see that he sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And, and it, it was an encouragement because he did it unto the Lord. He didn't, there was no selfishness involved in it. He did it to give it up to God. But what happens in Acts chapter five, we see two couples that want to do it for their, their own glory. And they lie, Ananias and Sapphira, because they want the same credit. But what we need is we need a church full of Barnabases. In Galatians chapter six, verse nine, it says, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. You can't give up. We need to encourage faith and persevere in our walks with God. And now we see the, what happens is the enemy uses fear to paralyze them. The enemy comes in and, and, and strikes fear in verse 11. It says, and our enemy said that uh, they will not know or see till we uh, come among them and kill them and stop the work. At the time, the Jews who lived near them came, about, came from all directions and said to us 10 times, you must return to us. So the Jews that are living outside the city find out that, hey, they're, they're setting things up to come in and attack and kill y'all. And that, that physical violence, that fear froze them. And not only were they wanting to kill them, they're, they're saying, hey, we're, we're not only going to stop the work, we're going to kill you. Right? They let Nehemiah know. And now with wisdom, with the Lord, fear is, one, is, is a rough one because fear comes and, and then there's doubt. Right? When we have fear, that's when doubt starts. And, and what happens is we have a hard time stopping the doubt. Because of the fear. 
And, and Nehemiah was not the, the type of person to allow that to stop the work that he was doing. Because you have to remember now, Nehemiah has served with the king as the chief of staff. Do you not think that there were people that tried to kill the king many, many times? So that put, put him in a place where he could be killed as well. He, you know, at the end of the day, he's just like, we need to keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. But one of the things that I see that, that we struggle with is fear. Just look at 2020. How many of us were fearful? And, and I understand that, that COVID is real. I understand that people got sick and people died. But did you allow the fear to keep you on that couch? And, and allow the doubt. And, and that can be in any, anything. That can be in anything. Let's look at Luke chapter 8, verses 22 and 20, 25. Luke chapter 8 says, One day he got into the boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let's, Let us go across to the, the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And then they went, up, went and woke him, saying, now this is the apostles, right, the disciples. What we see happening here is we've got a bunch of fishermen freaked out because there's a storm on the water. Now these are fishermen, right? They're, they're scared. They're saying, Master, Master, we are perishing and he awoke and, and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? Where is your faith? And here's the next part that's really important. And they were afraid. They were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that, uh, that, the, that he commands even the winds and the water? that obey him. And so we have to ask ourselves that same question. Where is your faith? When fear comes, where is your faith? When you start to doubt and the fear is there, you should go to God's word. You should go to prayer. You should call one of your friends, your brothers, your sisters in Christ. You can get a hold of us online. You can get a hold of us through the phone. We'll call and we'll stop and we'll pray with you. Because you need to stop that, that doubt, that fear in its tracks and put faith there. Look at Judges chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. This is about Gideon. Judges chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. It says, The Lord said to Gideon, The people uh, with you are too many for me to give uh, the Midianites into, the, into their hand, let, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the, in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from the Mount Gilead. And then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. They lost 22,000 people because of fear. Because of fear. And, and, and I've seen this happen, and, and, and I can remember being on... We were, we were within probably 48 hours before the, the ground war and the Gulf War. And we had, a, we had a plane break the sound barrier over our heads. And if you've ever had that happen, what happens is it's like somebody steps on your chest and you wake up. 
It's, you, you think you're being bombed. And let me tell you, we ran out of our tents shooting at the air. And there were people that stayed in their tents because of fear. And, and, and unfortunately, what happens is the, the worst thing that can happen to a company of soldiers is fear. The enemy can use that and it'll, it'll freeze them in their tracks. They won't know what to do. And that's why we see, you know, Gideon, you know, the Lord said, hey, we got to let go of some of these people. And, and, and what happens is whoever is fearful and trembling, let them return home. The sad part about this, this these are men. These are men. 22,000 gone. And I'm afraid if we were to do this today in our churches and say, okay, whoever's fearful and trembling, go home. Most of the men would leave. It'd be the women that would stay. Because the women, for some reason, they're fearful, fearless. They're like, I want to serve, I want to do, I want to be there at church. The men, it's just not practical. They allow that fear, that doubt. And we can't live like that. You can't allow that to sit on your heart. And so what does Nehemiah do? Right off the bat, Nehemiah in verse 13, he puts in, put, the, put the workers in place, right? And he puts them back to work. So he goes practically right off the bat. He says, so in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall and the open, open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And so what does he do? He constantly is aware and he has them stand firm against the enemy. Be alert. Be on guard. Be ready. Put on the full armor of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 18, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able uh, to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes on, for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And then, it says, and then take and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times and in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. He's saying, be on guard, because why? First Peter, I share this with you Sunday. And I shared this with you last Sunday. The enemy in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Be on guard. Stand guard. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, it says, And I looked and arose, and I said to the, the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid. Of them, remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and the fight for our for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And so we shared this verse last week, and we talked about not being afraid, and that we need to we need to take that fear and interject some faith. So what does Nehemiah do? He he encourages them. He encourages them. 
And, and that's something that we need to do. It, when, when we have those, those moments of fear, we need to interject faith. We need to interject faith. If, if, if your faith is in your circumstances, you're going to be gladly, uh, you'll be sadly disillusioned. If your faith is in your, uh, in your securities, your, your life will be sadly disappointed. If your faith is in other people, your faith will be dashed because they'll let you down. Your faith needs to be in what Nehemiah says, which is remember the Lord who is great and awesome. You're going through something, why not remember this verse? Remember the Lord who's great and awesome. Where's your faith? Is fear frozen your faith? And that's why Jesus asked, why are you so afraid? You know, why? What is it that, that, you're, that you're struggling with? We're terrified. We're prone to fear. That, that's what we normally do. That's why we have all those scriptures that say fear not. See, now when we have faith, we have faith that's inspired by the Holy Spirit because we believe in God. Our faith is in God. Remember the Lord who's great and awesome. So where's your faith? Let it be with the living God who has not yet met his match. And you will be ready for any storm You'll be ready for anything that the Lord brings or that the, the enemy brings to try to trip you up. Whatever temptation that happens, you'll be prepared. You won't allow the fear and the doubt to take, take over. You keep your faith in the right place. Where is that faith supposed to be? In the Lord, who's great and awesome. That's why we need to remember. That's why Nehemiah says, remember. And you need to keep saying that. Remember, remember, Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. When you're going through something, you're scared, you've you got fear. Fear is something that does happen. I'm not saying that you're not going to have that. But what you do is when you have that fear, don't let doubt take over. Go to God. That's why prayer is so important. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Isaiah 41.10. This was my verse uh, for 2020. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He says, Fear not, for I am with you. These are verses that you need to write down on your heart. So when temptation and fear comes, you can say, You know what? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God. God, you are, I'm coming to you. I have fear. And I know that I shouldn't be dismayed, but I'm struggling right now. And I'm going to remember that you're the Lord God who's great and awesome and that you're going to get me through this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God gave us the spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and, and delivered me from all my fears. These are verses you should have written down. I love that verse, Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let 
your, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Psalm 118, 6. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? You need to write that one down. Psalm 118, 6. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? See, man can destroy this body, but my soul belongs to God. We need to remember that. COVID can destroy the body, but my soul belongs to God. An illness can destroy my body, but my soul belongs to God. Uh, the enemy tries to steal, kill, and destroy, but my soul belongs to God. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things that we need to, we need to when we're in that, that place of fear and doubt, we need to go to God's word. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, and it says, and do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. That's God. God's the only one who can destroy the soul, right? When you make a choice not to follow God, you know, that's, that choice is gonna be judged and, and, and you know, that's where, where hell comes in. But we need to understand that we're not supposed to fear the one that can kill the body because they can't kill my soul. That belongs to God. So when we remember, that's why when we have communion every month, it's to remember Jesus because he's already had the victory. We look and put our faith in someone far greater. That's why we revere Christ. Our, our fear should be in the Lord. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, it says, Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that, uh, that has come against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So Jehoshaphat knew that God would keep his promises because that's what he learned as a kid. And he says, you know what? The circumstances... I don't even know how we're going to get out of this. But I'm going to put my eyes on you. You know, uh, some of y'all are, are looking to the world to solve your problems and you need to put your eyes on Christ. You need to put your eyes on God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? Is, is God for us? Who can be against us? See, right fear of God can deliver you from the fear of man. You got that? The right fear of God can deliver you from the fear of man. You fear God. Don't fear the things of this world. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. We need to look at God's plan. God has a plan for your life. And you need to keep your eyes on Him. And you can say, you know what, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Can you imagine telling that to somebody who's going through something like that? Say, hey, you know what, I don't know what to do, but let's put our eyes on Christ. We, we need to be doing that more. We need to stop trying to fix the problems in our own way. We need God. 
We need God to step in and save the marriage. We need God to step in and help that child that's struggling with addiction. We need God to, to bring peace to a city that's divided. We do that through prayer. We do that on our knees, praying. In verse 15 in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 15, it says, When our enemies heard that, this, uh, that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. You see that, what happened here? He tells them, remember the Lord who's great and awesome. And they just, you know what? We're going to fight because we have God. And he says, when our enemies heard that, it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plans, their plan. We all returned to the wall, each to his work. So Nehemiah led them to keep working and God is with us. He's reminding them, hey, God sent me here to do the work to build the walls and God's not going to let the enemy have this victory. He's going to give the victory to us. We need to keep working. We need to keep trusting in God. And sometimes that testing of the faith, that, 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 that struggle that we go through with opposition is to, for us to cling to Christ. We're supposed to be clinging to God. In verse 16, it says, From that day on, Half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears and shields, bows and, and coats of mail and the leaders stood behind the whole house of, of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. Hey, this is a great visual here because we see that they're removing rubble, rock, and they have their weapon in hand, the sword. And, and when we think about the rock, we think about how you were in the miry mud and, and God places you on the rock. That's in one hand. And then you have the sword, the weapon, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So you have a visual of the rock and the sword working together. And, 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 you know, that's one of the things I love about this verse is because, you know, if I, if I keep my eyes on Jesus, you know what the church has to do? The church has to be able to play offense and defense. It has to be able to defend, but it also has to be able to score too. We have to be able to, and that's it for us too as, as Christians, we have to be able to, to be able to be uh, be able to be offense and defense. We have to be able to, to protect. At the same time, we have to be able to do the work. Right? And, and so that's what the picture is here that we see. Nehemiah puts them back to work and they have a shield in one hand and the work happening in the other hand. In Psalm 18, verses 1 and 2, it says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. And my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And so he has the rock in one hand and the, and the sword in the other. In Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 40. I love this verse because this is, you know, unfortunately, I think this is something that we need to, we need to wake up and, and be doing. In Luke chapter 12, verse 35, it says, Stay dressed 
for action. You get that? If you got a Bible, I'd highlight that. Stay dressed for actions. For action, keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their masters to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants who the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come to serve them. If he comes in the second watch or the third watch or the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was going to come, uh, what, what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at, the, at, at an hour you do not expect. So he's telling you Jesus' return. Now for us, you know, we look at Nehemiah and we think, man, these guys were, and these, these workers, these men and women that were there on the wall working, the men protecting, right, and, and working. They're, they're prepared to do the work. At the same time, they're prepared for attack. And one of the things that we see in this verse in Luke is that we need to be prepared for Christ to return. It can happen at any time, any moment. Only God knows when, when He's sending His Son back. And when that happens, the tribulation happens. And I believe that, that you know, as Calvary Chapel, we believe in, in pre-trib. That we believe in the pre-tribulation. We do not believe that the church would be left behind to be beat up. Because it says that, that the church is the bride. Why would God leave the bride behind to get beat up? The church is going to be raptured in the pre... It'll be, you know, the, the pre-tribulation when it happens. And he's telling us we need to be dressed for action. To keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their masters. And, I, and it worries me because I think there are so many people that are not ready for his return. See, I, what we're here to do is we're not here. I'm not here to, to try to build a new building in Divine, a church building. I'm not trying to build a mega church. I'm trying to win souls to Christ. That's it. That's what we're here to do. We may not have all the different ministries that you want the young adults ministry and all the other ministries that happen, right? It, it, we're here to win souls to Christ. Now, you know, praise God if we get, uh, be able to have, I don't even want to build a new building. I would just be, be, would rather just rent a, a building because that's not important. What's important is that we're dressed for action, that we prepare people for Jesus's second coming. Just like Nehemiah is trying to prepare them on the wall to be ready for attack. We need to be ready because His second coming is going to happen in any moment. And I wonder how many of you are dressed for action or where Christ is going to catch you. What is He going to catch you doing? Are you standing on the rock and your sword in one hand? Your Bible? Do you, do you know where your sword is at? Verse 18 says, And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, 
The work is great and widely spread. We are separated on the wall far from one another in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet. Rally us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored, so we labored at the work and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. They're working overnight, right? They're, they're, they're constantly there, ready to go, on guard, on guard. And Nehemiah's right there with them. The leader's right there with them, working. And from that day, they constantly repaired the work. And, and, and one would guard and the other would switch and then the trumpeters were always ready. In Joel chapter two, verse one, it says, blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming, it's near. Ezekiel chapter 33, verses six and eight, as we talk about the trumpeter. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned, the sword comes and takes any of them, any one of them. The person is taken away in the iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, so you, the son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say uh, to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die and you do not speak to warn uh, the wicked and turn from his way that the wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. And when I read this verse and I talk about the watchman on and, and supposed to blow the trumpet to warn the people, you're the watchman and watchwoman, right? You've been commanded to preach the gospel. That's a command that you're supposed to go and share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to those that don't know Jesus. And what are you doing? He's saying, hey, this is a command that I was given. Jesus gave us this command. And so we, we as, as especially the men, as spiritual leaders in the home, we need to be ready to hear the trumpet. And, and we, need to, we need to be guiding our family spiritually and reminding them and talking to them about what sin is and what confession is and what repentance is. You know, we're gonna learn this week when we, when we get into to Mark chapter one, verses 14 and 15, Jesus's first word is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He didn't say, let's pray the sinner's prayer. He said, repent. Do it about face. Walk away from your sin. Confess it and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And, and, and we don't do that. We need to be sharing the gospel. We saw it last week and we talked about it. Peter, you know, John the Baptist, Peter, the Apostle Paul, and Jesus Christ. The first things they are, they're, they're saying in their ministries is repent. Repent. We need to be sharing that with people because there are a lot of there's a lot of of progressive Christianity that's saying it's okay to sin. And we can't have that. One of the things that, that hit me today, what we're gonna do when we finish the book of Nehemiah, we're actually gonna go through on Wednesday nights, we're gonna go through Calvary Chapel Distinctives. Because you need to understand why we're Calvary Chapel. 
in what we believe. We believe in pre-tribulation. We believe that the Holy Spirit, uh, the gifts of the Spirit still work today. We'll, we'll go into all of that stuff. We believe in teaching the Word of God. We believe in the context of Scripture, that context is king. We believe in application. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about all those things. But I think it's important that we, we don't forget that part of sharing the gospel is actually using words and using your mouth and, and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Be that trumpet, right? Be that trumpet. Sound the alarm. Let people know, hey, we're, we're at the end days and, and Jesus is going to be returning. Do you know what's going to happen to you when you die? Talk about those things. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 22, we'll finish up here. And it says, And I also said to the people at, the, at that time, Let every man and his, and his servant pass the night with Jerusalem, and they may be a guard for us by night, and may labor by day. So neither I, nor my brothers, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of those, none of us took off our clothes, each kept the weapon at his right hand. So what we see is Nehemiah stays and is right there with the guards and right there with the servants and his brothers that are working. Nehemiah is the leader that worked right alongside of them. The work is being done and, and, and lives are being transformed and that's what God is calling us to do. That's why you can't do that from your couch. When you come to church, you come to church to see life transform and, and, and see the work of the Lord being done and the trumpet sounding and people coming up and giving their life to Christ because the gospel is being preached. See, we're supposed to be as Christians, we're supposed to, I, I, one of the things I took from this scripture is we're supposed to have our, our boots on ready to work. We have an awesome privilege that the Lord has given us, but not only has He allowed us to do this work, but he's given us the power and authority to do the work in the name of the Lord. And it's not about having church buildings and multiple ministries. That, those things are great. It's about saving souls. Saving souls that they would come to know Jesus Christ. And I'll be honest, we've been, we've, we haven't even been here two months and, and we've been really blessed to see God moving not only in this building, but to see new faces and people show up, and we appreciate it. And it's easy to get discouraged at times. It's easy to, to have that fear, like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And start having that doubt creep in, but I have to say, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. He's got us. This is His church, not mine. I'm just here to do the will of God. And, and, and I need to, to stay faithful in that. And he renews my faith every week. Because why? He's great and awesome. It's, it's him who strengthens us. And, and it's him who renews and revives us and refreshes us. That's why if, if you're struggling right now and you're, you're, you're needing a fresh one of the Holy Spirit to come into your life, we'll pray for that right now. Maybe you're tired, you're, you're like, man, I've, got, I've been in church for 12, 13, 14 years and my faith has gotten stale. You need a fresh one of the Holy Spirit. You need to be like Nehemiah. You need to be connected to the power of the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, 
be connected in prayer and be using that sword, right? So application for tonight, real quick, and we'll close out here. Where is your faith? And what I mean by that is your faith in, in Jesus Christ or have you been paralyzed by the enemy and fear and doubt and discouragement? God's your rock. He's given us his word. And that's a great illustration for us as well tonight. Just remember the rock and the sword. The sword being the Bible and the rock being, being God. And we, we stand on the rock. And if you've fallen back into that miry mud, God will pick you up and put you back on the rock again. You just have to repent. Lastly, are you an encourager or a discourager? Think about that. Are you an encourager? Do you encourage people? Or do you discourage them? Are you always complaining? Are you allowing fear to turn into gossip, to slow down the work of the Lord. Just something to think about. Well, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and pray. And we're going to end there tonight. Next week will be in Nehemiah chapter 5. And this Sunday, I hope I see you on Sunday, we'll actually have coffee and, 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 and some donuts and some stuff here. Uh, so if you come early, there'll be some stuff to eat. And, and, uh, and so we hope to see you. Sunday at, at 10 a.m. Uh, worship will be from 10 to 10.15. So if you watch us online, uh, we'll, the online service will start about 10.15. And so, because we'll be doing worship and, and, uh, and, and since we don't have a, a worship leader yet, that's one of the things that you can pray for us. Uh, we do worship off the, uh, off the TV and through, uh, through the worship songs there. And so if you want to join us for that, um, you know, come visit us. We'll be here at 10 o'clock on Sunday. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, just this encouragement, Lord, of, of what it is to remove fear, remove doubt, look to faith, fear in the Lord, be encouraged by your word, be encouraged by prayer, be encouraged by just knowing that you are great and awesome and you are Lord. And, and, and Lord, let us be someone who, who sounds the trumpet in love and truth that Jesus Christ is returning, that Jesus Christ is, is, uh, is coming back. The Lion of Judah is returning. And, and we want to uh, not see people fall. And, and, uh, and, and we want them to, to know who Jesus Christ is and why Jesus came, that he died on the cross for the sins of this world. We want to see souls saved. We want to see souls saved here in divine. We want, to, we want to see unity in divine, Lord. We pray that after the election's over that we can uh, see the city come together, see the city council come together, see the, the mayor's office and, the, and, the, and the, the city manager and everybody just working together to do what's best for divine, uh, to remember that we're, we're called to be, you know, as, as they're called, they're called to be public servants, not self-servants. And so we just pray, Lord, that you just do a mighty work in our city council, do a mighty work in our mayor and in the mayor's office, that, that they would just do what's best for the city of, and the people of divine. And we pray for a revival. We pray that you would just do a mighty work in each of our lives, Lord. 
uh, whatever fear that we may have, whatever discouragement that we have, uh, whatever is going on in our life that maybe we're just saying there's no way that this can be fixed, we would, we would look to you, Lord, put our eyes on you and, and understand that we may not understand how to fix the problem, but you do. We may not understand how to walk away from alcohol or walk away from meth or walk away from, uh, from, from a bad relationship where you're living in sin or, or to see a marriage that seems to be going towards divorce. But, but we just put our eyes on you and we, we look to prayer. We look to, to your word and, and uh, we just seek you. And, and we start living and applying your word in our lives, Lord. We, we pray for that. I pray again just for tonight. We thank you, Lord. I pray that for, we know there's a lot of bad weather going around in San Antonio and throughout the hill country. We just ask, Lord, that you protect people, protect homes and, and cattle, um, and just get us, get us home safely. Um, but we just thank you, Father God, just for all that you're doing. And again, I pray for Marcus and their event coming up on Saturday. And just, uh, just pray that it's just a blessed time here. We thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so remember, if you need to get a hold of us, if you're going through something, you're, having, you're struggling with fear, maybe you're struggling with, with hurt or pain or unforgiveness or whatever it is, if you need to talk to myself, uh, we'll gladly, me and my wife will gladly pray with you or pray for you. And, um, and you can get a hold of us at calvarydivine.org. And we hope to see you Sunday at 10 a.m. here at, uh, at East College. It's 203 East College Avenue, Suite C in Divine, Texas. God bless y'all. Y'all have a good evening. Be safe. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.